Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, Huddersfield Town fans. Big podcast, this one. We wanted to get this one out fairly quickly. Dave and I were actually recording together for once rather than over the line, and I'm out of the habit of getting my recording set up for doing it in person and didn't really think through the best way to do it. So long and short is there's some audio issues. There's there's a bit of an echo that, that sort of cuts in and out. I've tried to get rid of it as best I can, but to do the thorough job would take me probably hours, and we thought it was better to get it out to you. So hopefully you can put up with the slight issues. Dave sounds a little bit like he has a cold at, at one point just because of that, but uh, it is what it is. I hope you enjoy the podcast nonetheless. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Utopia a Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined in the room by David Hartrick. Good to see you, Dave. Good to see you too, mate. It just doesn't happen very often anymore. No, not, well, not on non-match days. Uh, let's get straight into it. We've got loads to talk about. And for once, we're going to break from tradition and we're going to leave the match day stuff till later because there's other developments that we need to talk about first that are a lot more pressing. And let's be honest, you'd just be skipping through the match stuff if we didn't get to it first. Um, so the long and short of it is that Phil Hodgkinson's business is pure legal and is, is one of nine limited companies that have been placed into administration. Uh, Huddersfield Town are 75% owned by Pure Sports Sports by Pure Sports Consultancy Limited. That is not one of the businesses that has been affected by administration. Huddersfield Town have put out a statement basically saying they are not affected uh, by this by those businesses going into administration. And I've been speaking to to people at the club, been speaking to to you know people who who know what's going on, uh, and. So we're saying it's it's still early days at the moment. Um, you know, this is sort of day one of a, a breaking news story and there's lots of details that still need to be filled in. Um, but we can tell you what we know at the moment. Effectively, Phil Hodgkinson and the, the pure legal administrations do not affect Huddersfield Town legally and financially it is effectively not going to affect them either. Um, we know that Dean Hoyle has paid the October wages and I think a lot of people will have seen that and read that and thought, is that normal? Is that any cause for concern? It is normal for owners to put in money to, you know, as a short term cash flow measure, basically. Uh, and from what I understand, there is no reason to believe that that is going to cause Huddersfield Town any issues in the longer term. It is not reflective of any longer term financial issues. Their financial situation is effectively what it was before this news broke. Uh, and the reason for that, uh, reading between the lines from, from what I gather, is because Phil Hodgkinson is not the 100% owner of Huddersfield Town. They do have a 25% owner, which is Dean Hoyle, uh, and he is willing to continue financing the club, or resume financing the club, I should say, uh, as is his responsibility uh, and his obligation. Uh, I suspect that he is willing to go sort of beyond what is legally required of him. You know, I, I, from what I gather, it is very much business as usual for town. None of their plans have, have particularly changed in terms of uh, investment, uh, in terms of the January transfer window. 
obviously Dean Hoyle has several million pounds, you know, a couple of dozen million pounds of loan repayments that still need to be made to him. But we know he has a track record. He has deferred payments when required. The next payment is four million pounds due in February. But we know that Hoyle has deferred payments in the past and has shown willingness to restructure deals. So it is effectively down to him whether he calls in that debt. And I would suggest that it is unlikely that he is going to do that. Um you know, unless there were, were some other resolution to this. So that is sort of the headline. The, the big thing today is the bigger picture message, which is we are fine. Uh, there are still lots of small details to sort out. Dave, where would you start with this? Um, I think it's important to just circle back a bit to the thing that I know everybody is focused on, and that is the wages. And my, I, I don't have a specific understanding of town situation, but I do know a little bit about the way football clubs financed and run. And one of the things that is slightly eye-raising is that when people see this they go oh how come we're not financed ourselves the problem is in football everything is paid either quarterly half yearly or annually so often short-term cash is a real issue and what tends to happen is a lot of owners at a lot of clubs it happened at, at Brighton for a long time is effectively the owner has to cover the wage bill which he then takes back out of the club at an appropriate point and I mean there, there are some that literally do it quarterly so the owner puts in for three months and then takes out when they get payment back so it feels like that's the thing that everything is that people are focused on yeah understandably yeah. understandably but i don't think it is as big a issue as a, a lot of people seem to think and i think it's important that town's wage bill was what 56 percent of turnover on the last yeah, 57 well, 57 the, the average in the championship is 121 percent. yeah so don't get me wrong that's not peanuts <laughs> It's still many thousands of money and Millions. many thousands of money more than me and you will see in a year. But at the same time, in football comparative terms, it's quite a quite a normal transaction. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah, from everything I understand. And what is abnormal is that normally it would obviously be the majority owner that, that would do that. It would seem yeah. that Phil Hodgkinson is, was not in a position to do that. And I think obviously now we know why that was. Um but they, as I say, they do have a minority shareholder who has been willing to to put his hand on the po- in his pocket on this occasion. So, and I think that that is that is probably a large part of the reason that Town are so confident that this isn't going to affect yeah. them. The other reason is that they obviously they still have they're in their final year of parachute payments as well, mm. uh, which is why that is. Let's be honest, that is the main reason that their wage bill was was so such a small percentage in relative terms it was the lowest in the championship um because obviously their revenues are high because they were getting around 30 million pounds of of parachute payments although that was reduced uh last season because of of covid that the tv the premier league tv deal was reduced so then the parachute payments were also reduced um by sort of you know the, the same knock-on percentage um but that effectively means that and remember that that 57 percent refers to the 1920 season yeah. so so two yeah. seasons ago they've lost they've sold a lot of players since then or released a lot of players since then who would have been their highest earners Bakuna and Benzer Schindler yeah Pritchard the yeah. list goes on you know um, so they their wage bill has come down de- went down last season it will have come down again this season yeah. um, so in that regard they're in a better position than many other championship clubs would be um, in a, in similar circumstances even if Hoyle were not sort of hadn't got yeah. involved again now we, we don't know at this stage the extent to which Hoyle is going to continue to be involved in terms of you know the, the corporate structure of the club because as it stands Phil Hodgkinson remains the chairman um, and these are 
are the kinds of details and i was about to call them fine details they're not fine details they are you know big details and again i can understand why fans would be concerned about that there is going to be a period of upheaval here one way or the other um but it, it's important to say that there will be a period of upheaval but on, on a scale of upheavalness mm-hmm. it's not one that should filter down in any way charles gorman and all the team exactly yeah. this is this is the thing there are a lot of there's a lot of legal things that need to happen aren't there there's a lot of stuff that's way beyond our pay grade or our level of knowledge it's yeah but the thing is the thing that town fans i think probably need to realize that it would even if dean hoyle was completely disenfranchised and not interested he would still it would still be in his very best interest bear in mind the the level of money he's owed yeah to help out and and he's continuing he isn't he is still interested and invested in the club and wants the best for it so and legally and financially yeah yeah. so really it's i mean i i don't want to use the word sort of safety net because that there there are certain implications to that but i think it's valid though yeah it's it's a very not uh, nice is the wrong word really but it's a nice position to be in when you have a minority owner who is prepared to step in as he is and you know let's be honest that it's not it is not going to bleed down which is what happens at a lot of clubs their their position would be a lot more severe if phil hodgkinson was the sole owner of yes town. yeah i think that's that... not a slight on phil either that's no. just the reality you the, know if he yeah. was sole owner of the club and he couldn't put in yeah that's that, not good <laughs> no but that is not the situation and, and this is that is the key thing really that is why they are sort of i well i suspect at at least that that is a large part of the reason that they are being so confident with this um and that they've made that statement uh and and why they feel that that it's not going to affect them short medium or long term um as far as so that's the financial side as far as what it means for phil hodgkinson i think it's fair to say that his position of of as chairman looks to be untenable at this stage if you've got a chairman who can't isn't in a position to put money into the club i think it's very difficult to imagine that he is going to be able to continue as chairman yeah i mean it's not how can i put it you've all you you've lost any moral sense of authority anyway so you would have thought yeah. he's probably before any sort of legal sense or anything like that you it's would have thought he's it, very it? very well aware of that situation yeah but again at the time of recording that's you know phil hodgkin is still huddersfield town chairman but i think it's just i understand huddersfield town fans being very nervous very worried about all this stuff coming out there was a lot of people i saw one person make the comment you know business doesn't go out you know doesn't go bust overnight and all this sort of thing it's Things are, are going to be all right. As you said, there's going to be an upheaval, but not, yeah. an, not an awful lot's going to change. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, well, yeah, in the, yeah, I know what you mean in terms of sort of the short term, in terms of their plan, plans financially mm. and their plans for this season. Uh, it may be that, you know, things change in a, the club structure. And as I say, we'd love to be able to sit here and give you the answers for what changes are going to, uh, are going to take place. We, we can't answer that at the moment. Um, that is, you know, something that is going to develop over the next few days weeks months um so you know apologies that we we can't give you that but that is where we are i think it's also as i say that we also really can't get into the ins and outs of of what has happened at your legal like the conversations that i've had for obvious reasons not only because 
it is my job to look out for Huddersfield Town and look, not look out for your legal. But, you know, also it would be inappropriate for the club to make any comment on that. Uh, it would be inappropriate probably for uh, us to, to speculate on that, given that this is going to be an ongoing process for them and that there's, you know, sadly going to be a lot of people who's, whose jobs are at risk. So there's only so much we can we can go into that. I think if you are interested in that side of things, um, I would look at sort of the legal industry reports as to what has, what has gone on there. Um, you know, there are reports out there about what has led to this administration and uh, I would point you in that direction for that because for us, we are concerned with what it means for the Huddersfield town I, I would say I've done quite a bit of reading around it as well and I without saying too much I would say I think if you if you think it's going to be the opportunity to pile on Phil Hodgkinson it, it's not I think it's there would be fair to say but it's just I think it's it's very sad it's happened this way there's going to be what 200, 200 odd people are going to lose Numbers their jobs almost all, instantly yeah, be, because there's different there's various companies involved it's difficult to get which is, I've not really had a chance to get a grasp on that because no, I've been looking at that which so. is it's horrible, yeah, absolutely yeah. horrible, um, particularly in such a sort of specialised industry as well. Mm. So you feel for them, but we can only look at the football club side of things. And yeah, you know, weirdly, I think in terms of, of, of a lot of ways of looking this, it could have been far worse. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the sort of the outstanding questions, the ones that we sort of need to get answers to over the, you know, however long it takes is what is going to happen at board level um, if... if mm. If Hodgkinson isn't able to continue as as chairman, then we need to see what happens with that, whether there's new investors come in, whether I don't think we can count out the idea that, that Dean Hoyle might might step back up into that role. Um, we, we don't have the answers to that. Um, but from what I gather and reading between the lines, this, you know, hasn't been sort of directly stated, but but reading between the lines, I think for the time being, Hoyle is is willing and able to make sure that plans don't change at the football club from from you know he's effectively going to take over and i think the fact he's paid those wages already for, for october sort of shows that he's willing and able to continue doing that and and from what i understand you know is that isn't a one-off that is something he is willing to do for the longer term future of the club um but what that means as i say in terms of longer term how long he keeps doing that uh is a question and i don't mean that in the sense of oh he might decide in three months he's had enough and he's not putting more in and then town are in trouble because from what i understand that is not on the table he's not going to let that happen um as i say it's worth remembering that that four million pound repayment was due in february if that doesn't get called in then that is <laughs> effectively four million pounds that, that town didn't have before yeah i mean we don't know what's going to happen but there is a world where effects that debt almost gets removed balance um, but we don't we have no idea what will happen in the future and it's not not something really that you know like anyone can speculate on because these are that will happen behind closed doors and you just have to put your faith in people and dean hoyle let's be honest his, his first time round with the club was a massive massive step yeah he left because he was effectively forced to by his health yeah he's better now he's in a position where he can step back up into it let's let's see what happens you know i i just i think i think a lot of the noise has is gonna is gonna change if and when we know what's happening with phil's role at the club yeah i think because that will be a definitive statement either way really and uh yeah no we'll just go from there but it's it's odd to be on a football podcast talking about the sort of stuff but there you go yeah and as i say i completely get why fans are concerned it is sort of a, a time of of change and that is always a worry um and change of ownership a takeover or you know anything like that is always a you know a difficult time for fans while they're trying and get the head around what it means for the future and I'm not going to sit here and tell any fans oh don't worry because I can understand why you would be worried about this but 
the assurances I've had from from speaking to people at the club this afternoon is that is that they it isn't just lip service when they're saying oh everything's fine like I've I've had assurances that 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 they have good reason to to believe that and and as I say I suspect reading between the lines that that Dean Oil is probably the reason for that um but we'll we'll have to see where it goes. Well, you you say suspect, but I mean you can only go on the on the evidence we've got, and you look yeah, at the exactly. evidence we've got, and this speaking for the fans in terms of what's out there and what what conclusion you you can draw from the evidence available. I think it would be safe to let some of them assume that. If I'm yeah, I would agree. I yeah, I I just think that whatever people thought of Phil Hodgkinson, I think the evidence was over the summer and the start of this season that he was the club was being run in in the right direction. I think you can yeah. see that from the recruitment. I think you can see that from lots of areas. There were still issues which there's no point going into, but yeah, this situation could have been far far worse, far far worse. So yeah, I th- I think that's again not to sort of repeat ourselves, but I think it is important to repeat ourselves this is not a derby county situation by any stretch of the imagination um and you know we'll we'll see how it develops but uh i would be absolutely i'm staking my reputation effectively on saying i i can't imagine it will go that way um by any stretch of the imagination so hold me to account on that but um yeah that you know that's as much as i can if it does go derby county way will you get the oil tattooed on your back (laughs) (laughs) no Yeah, so, yeah, as I say, that's really as much as we know at the moment, and there's lots of questions to be answered around the investment in the stadium, because, you know, Phil Hodgkinson was quite central in those mm-hmm. negotiations with the Giants and with, with Kirtley's council. We don't know but how I, that's going to go I from think, here. I think with all of that stuff, though, stadium, I know they're talking about, you know, plans won't change in January and everything else. I think people have to understand that, like, if, if somebody's in charge of a shop, and somebody else comes in and takes over that shop, they don't just pick up somebody else's plans and go, well, this is exactly the way yeah, we're going to yeah. do it. There will be changes. Timescales on things may move up a lot or go the other way. I think it really... I mean, it's not a helpful thing to say, and it almost sounds patronising, but I think it is just a wait and see at the moment. Yeah. I think you have to... This is also fresh. We're literally sat in my office, what, uh, an hour and 53 minutes after the official statement came out mm. that I'm talking about. So this this is not, you know, we've not had time to sit and ruminate on this or go through it ourselves. It's, it, it is a wait and see, but all signs are, I mean, remarkably from the, <laughs> from the situation it's squared from, remarkably somehow all signs seem as positive as they can be in the, in the circumstances. It's great shame all those people lose the jobs, but Huddersfield should be secure. That's what we have to report on, Steve. That's what we have to talk about, Huddersfield Town. Yeah, and that is not to say that if the situation, you know, if the situation changes, we will absolutely report on that. You and I are not here to be a propaganda arm for Huddersfield Town, but we can. There is no one else that we can talk to that knows Huddersfield Town's position better than Huddersfield Town, and you know we have to take on faith um, that that what they are saying is accurate in terms of the running of their own club. Like there's. <laughs> People can point to what the concerns are and, you know, Kerry Maguire or Price, you know, um, Zonal Marking or whoever it might be. I'm sure we'll have their say on it. But, um, you know, we're here. We have the links to the club and we're here to report sort of what their side of the the story is. And and that is their side. And as you say, we're sitting here less than two hours after after this has all come out. And that's what we have to go on for now. And I, I, I have good reason to believe that what they're saying is it's you know is true and and that those reassurances are not sort of just there to sate people for the time mm. being just to sign it off and not to pat ourselves on the back or anything like this here but 
we did a podcast quite recently where at the end of the podcast it was the Q&A um, where we actually talked about how we work a little bit and how we said that one of the key things with sort of transfers and everything else was that we weren't particularly bothered about being the quickest but we wanted to be yeah. right and I think in this instance there was a lot of stuff being asked last night both myself and you got past mm. private messages and various other things there was a lot of stuff on Twitter this morning etc um, and a couple of people were asking me <laughs> and saying why isn't the examiner slash Yorkshire Live slash North Norfolk Digital uh you know reporting on this and it's like well yeah it was we've we've got to be absolutely right as, as it was this morning all we had was they've gone into administration yeah. like yeah. and that is a story for pure legal but what we needed was how does this affect Huddersfield yeah. Town and we needed to wait until that yeah. statement came out before we were able to, to to put any more meat on those bones because you know we, we weren't in a position to anything we could have said at that point would have been speculation mm. so so what so what I'm basically saying is what you've got now is exactly what you know Steve has been told on good faith and what yes, exactly, the, yeah. the message the club want out there and that's what we're going on but we've also dug a little bit into it and looked at I mean we've literally looked at the common sense and the practicality of it and the evidence we have got available and gone yeah all of this adds up yeah. so yeah anyway yeah, that's football yeah football we've had two games to talk about they beat Millwall on Saturday afternoon uh it was uh, a tough watch at times um and I don't think town is I think Lee Nichols sort of put it best when he said it felt like it wasn't a great performance but then <laughs> when you look at and you watch the game again and felt like it wasn't a great mm. performance but when you look at the stats it looks pretty good uh, but the the top and bottom of it is they got the three points and that was all that mattered on the day really yeah I, I genuinely I genuinely think performance was very secondary against a team like Millwall who they came to the John Smiths and they wanted a point they set up for a point they weren't interested in three points I mean they, they barely took a risk the entire game and they left with nothing which is pretty much where town need to leave teams and town are going to you know down a fifth in the table <laughs> teams are going to come and want to do this because town are now a they're now a scout they're now a difficult place to go and get some so yeah it, it was a tough watch but it really didn't matter and the, the other thing i think it's important to say is i don't think it was a tough watch because of town it wasn't like the forest game where forest got two nil up and it was dreadful watching town just part trying to pass past people and it not happening it was you know it was a tough watch because Millwall were doing that by design and doing a little bit of research Millwall fans are not overly happy with Rowett's style of football uh, and I think you can see why but it's been incredibly effective that's only the second time they've lost on the road this season so that's a very good three points for Huddersfield Town very good three points. yeah and uh, I think you know I think they sort of merited it they did get away with one let's be honest Gary Rowett was right about the Toffolo handball yeah. Um, it, it, it should have been a penalty for Millwall really shouldn't it but I think Town put in a really mature performance to, to see out that game and make sure they, they got that win and I think especially at home it's important that they get three obviously get three points as often as they possibly can um, and I think the sort of the Peterborough game spelt out why that is because um, you know I think Peterborough was almost the opposite in a lot of ways because I thought it was a good performance from Town uh, for 75 well not for the first 10 but after that until sort of minute until they went ahead I thought they were good value for the lead um, and then 
I feel like if Town had been at home, they would have seen that game out. But Peterborough, obviously being at home, they got that the crowd were right behind them immediately. And Peterborough, their response was superb. And I think Town did leave something to be desired defensively late on there, to be honest. Yeah, but I think you're looking at like the last 10 minutes, the second game in four days again. Two very tough physical opponents. Um, and it, like I've done my five conclusions today. And one of the things I've sort of dissected the goal they conceded, it's disappointing to concede that sort of goal because they'd all but eliminated it this season but just one of them where there's not an individual huge error or anything but certain could have closed the cross down quicker Colwell shouldn't have been bullied like he was Toffolo sat and watched the run and didn't challenge for the ball at all I think Scott High gave it away on the edge of the area which started the move and pushed the ball out for yeah. the cross anyway I think six times out of ten Nichols saves that Yeah, he gets two hands to it. it like on another day one of those things doesn't happen and that goal doesn't get scored it, it, I think it was a very I think it was a very last ten minutes of two games four days goal to seed and I think it was proof for me anyway that Saturday against Cardiff they probably need a little bit of rotation even with the international yeah. break coming the last half an hour of that game there are a few players who look look gassed I mean Sorber Thomas's set piece were woeful yeah. towards the end apart from the one that he got the goal from yeah yeah but like that's not Sorber Thomas and he was frustrated himself and I think it's I mean he's played all but 101 minutes available this season something like that yeah he's more minutes than anyone else certainly yeah and it's I asked Carlos if he thought he needed a rest and he basically said no Um, but I mean yeah he's played that many minutes he's playing internationals he's playing in a league at a level that he's never played at before he's never been a pro footballer before (laughs) he's never had a full season as a pro footballer so to go from I mean he played for Boreham Wood twice in January to go from that to a full pre-season into barely missing a minute of a championship season playing a role where he's end-to-end yeah playing an end-to-end role being called up internationally so you're not getting a break in the international areas like I put in my conclusions at the end that I think it might be better because taking him out of the starting lineup for one game is better than losing him for six weeks to a ham. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. He's only one yellow card away from a suspension, which might not be the worst thing for him, to be honest. Him and Tom Lee's both on the, the four yellow cards at the moment. But yeah, um, I think it was not to sort of keep repeating ourselves as well but I thought it was a performance where and Carlos basically said this after the game as well uh, without saying it was things coming home to roost but I thought it was their issues coming home to roost in terms of not being ruthless enough because they did have chances to win that game Um, they had a goal disallowed I thought it looked the right decision on the day looking at the replays it looks a little bit less clear cut than that both the offside decision itself and also it went in off the defender I I think it was an own goal yeah Danny Ward thought it was an own goal as well yeah I and I, I'm with him because I think Ward comes from the side and the defender's there in front of him. And I would say when the ball goes in, the defender immediately looks down, mm. immediately looks down. So, yeah. I think... <sighs> I think that they weren't clinical enough, though. I thought they had no. good movement. They had good control on the game. You know, the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, Peterborough did. They played a very high press first half time, which they then sort of they dropped back a bit in the second half but and focused on second balls more. But first half, they were playing that high press. And first 10 minutes, Peterborough got through it like three times. And you're thinking, oh, this isn't working. But then they started making it work. They were winning the, they were winning the ball high up the pitch uh, and they were making opportunities out of it. But they, again, it's that thing with 
said a million times where the final ball just wasn't quite there. So oh, Thomas, I thought, apart from his set-piece deliveries, actually had a pretty good game for me. Um, you know, he had some good crosses into the box that, that just needed. It, I thought it was interesting because one of the things I noted, and again, not to like keep banging on about Reeves losing, but they kept... Peterborough were trying to double up on O'Brien, so Down kept sticking everything in the first half down the left, and it kept leaving Thomas wide open on the right, and he had a lot of space, and I think, again, I don't know, if that had been Saturday, if that game had been Saturday, and they'd had a few days off, and they'd have been a little bit fresher, I think they win that 2-0. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought uh, people sort of questioned my, my mark gave Dwayne Holmes as well. I only gave him a 6. I think if I'd gone on first-half performance, I would have given him an 8, but yeah. like, I thought, I, I don't know, when I was thinking back on the second half, I couldn't, and maybe this is wrong, but because I had a print deadline um, being Tuesday night, I had quite a tight, tight turnaround to get my reporting on top of the ratings, etc. So you're always sort of, not to sort of uh, do myself down, but your ability to watch the game in massive detail is a bit limited in second half in, in the evening kickoffs for that reason. And uh, But I couldn't think of two of him being too involved in the second half, so I sort of put him down for that. But I mean, he's been a really important player for town. He, he was playing more as a, a 10 um, in this game, having gone back to playing sort of more as a, a winger on, uh, on Saturday. And he's really emerged is a, a really key player for for the style Corbrand wants to develop. He, it was him that hit the bar before the, the disallowed goal. Uh, he's really stepped up recently. Yeah, he looks to be enjoying his football again. That's the key yeah, thing, isn't yeah. it? Um, and I think that he's he's definitely in his. He's just had his best month since turning to club, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think, like, part of it is because I just think he's got a role. <laughs> I think he's got a role. I think, obviously, for whatever reason, Carlos Corbrand doesn't trust Caroma in certain games or doesn't like the job that Caroma does in certain games. So suddenly, Holmes has emerged as the option on the left, and I just think it's suits him to have more of a defined presence in the team and I, I think the interesting one for me though is on the other side because I think it's time we have to talk about Danel Sonani who is I think he's struggling a little bit at this point Steve I think he looks very tired and obviously mm. he is also pulling international duty with Luxembourg I think he stopped doing the things he's good at playing with his back to goal an awful lot he's stopped doing the things he's good at which is what he really wants to do is to face goal and try and work and open for a shot and I don't know if it's being slightly coached out of him for a few reasons. I, I don't think... No, I asked Carlos about that, and I don't think that is what he wants. I think he does want him doing what you're saying, you know, mm. facing forward and, and impacting play and being dynamic and, and helping town, you know, in attack a bit more. And uh, Oggy, Paul Ogden from Radio Leeds, asked him, you know, uh, uh, or sort of put forward that... The, in fact, it was me that asked him, what am I talking about? But uh, it was it a confidence issue uh, for Danel Sonani? And, you know, Carlos obviously batted that back but it does sort of it does it's feel that way no goals and one assist from a set piece in his time so yeah that's and it was a set piece against Blackpool so that was a long time ago you he just looks to be trying a bit too hard and he looks a bit tired and he looks a bit I don't know looks like his his head's a bit all over the place I I, I would I, if I'm brutally honest with you I would hook him at this point yeah I would put Caroma in put Caroma on the left Holmes on the right yeah 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 and I think I think just going forward to Cardiff a bit I think that's exactly what I'd do because I I, I think Sonani to me looks like he could become a really really good bench option really good yeah, bench option because yeah. in games where you want to you want a player who's going to come on and cause a load of tired defenders some problems I think he could be exactly that player but at the moment as a starter he doesn't feel like um, and it, it's like you just said he, he's gone from being the player who played facing the goal and was taking on shots from to be frank <laughs> 
<laughs> some quite ridiculous angles and positions. But you, you back, we were you, quite refreshed to see it, really. You back him to score more from 25 yards than you do from, from 10 at the moment. Yeah, but don't you think, weirdly, Town have got a load of players like that? Yeah, Holmes, O'Brien. Karoma. Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's, it's odd. But, yeah, I, I think Sonali is the I think Sonali is the issue. I think it's great to see Holmes playing like he is. I think the other player, I think, who, who deserves a mention is Danny Ward, who has... Yeah, yeah. He got his goal last night, and it was good to see him get a goal from being a bit of a six-yard poaching nine, because that's not what he is, and not the role he plays. Well, it wasn't. He was at Cardiff, to be fair. Like that. The, you, yeah, they he's used not done to, it in town, though. No, 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 it's not. He he was that sort of. He was a bit of an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at, um, at Cardiff, and by that I don't mean that he, you know, got them relegated and then suddenly signed for Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, no, he was, you know, he was a bit of a super sub for them, and and you know we've 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 had a bit of stick for it, but the scouting report we did and the statistics are there. If you want to look at them, is that season for Cardiff? He was behind Naki Wells as the most clinical striker in the championship. And to be fair, I mean, you dug out a, a number for him um, for his goal scoring rate this season as well, his conversion rate. Yeah, I mean, he's got four goals from nineteen shots, and Town don't create a wealth chance. And to put that into perspective, like Guy Kadesh at um, commentary has got nine goals, and everybody's about him. that's from 50 shots the highest scorer Alexander Mitrovic has got 16 from 6-7 shots um, I would looked up Ben Brereton Ben Brereton is on I think 11 and he's had 49 so you think comparatively you know the chances he's getting the, the difference yeah. is for Ward is the chances he gets essentially has to convert because he might not get another one for an hour yeah. that's, that's the thing and as a striker that's quite a difficult position to be in but his work for the rest of the team as a facilitator is yeah, is like step. second to none at the minute and it's not eye-catching it's not sexy <laughs> and when you see a striker on a team sheet you go right that's where we want to get a goal from and he's not clinical enough you know there are chances he's missed that me and you are both sat there going should have done better but I think you have to look at what he's doing at the moment in the context of what it gives team and what it gives team at the moment you dug out some some of his defensive uh, some of the, the stats around goals town can see when he's on the pitch yeah. and goals town score and it's yeah he's the, incredible difference yeah the only player that's that they've scored more frequent like they scored i think it's once every 40 something minutes with vallejo on the pitch but he's only played 150 minutes like yeah. statistically it's not really significant the next on the list is danny ward and at the other end of the pitch the only player he's uh he's town's best outfielder for um for the goals conceded per 90 minute uh so when, when he's on the pitch he's got the best goal difference when he's on the pitch of any player in a town shirt this season um so he is making a, a big difference up there and i think to be fair not to sort of patronize the fans and go oh we've been saying it all along because i think he did have a slow start to the season he has been warming up as time's gone on um you know we, we gave him an awful lot of five out of ten at the start of the season but uh i think the fans are starting to see and appreciate the role that he's playing a bit more on top of the fact that he's also playing better i think we've yeah. we've seen sort of the the ratings the fans have given that they are significantly higher than they were given earlier this season and i think that is not entirely just down to the fact that he's also just playing better i think the fans are getting a better appreciation of what he's doing and what is there he's also the one player who every single press conference we do with carlos corbran at the moment carlos corbran says is playing absolutely brilliantly and i love what he's doing mm. um and there's a reason for that and i think that's because tactically i think he's just massive for because i think he just facilitates probably about four other people being able yeah. to work in the the way they do going you know so I, I think i think sort of the caveat around that is that we have also criticized 
um, the fact that they don't create enough chances from. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, no, we're not saying not he's, you know, he's the second no. coming of Roberto Firmino or anything like that. But, um, but I think, it, it, I think the thing is that it, it's impossible not to think that the role he's doing. It's not a thankless job by any, by any, like no professional footballer is doing a thank you job. But the thing is, it's becoming more and more difficult to just say to just judge him on goals. You have to look at other things well, and yeah, he's he's just doing a massive job for the team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And big game at the weekend against Cardiff. Um, I think you have to sort of see Tuesday night's result as two points dropped, unfortunately, because they were ahead and, and it was disappointing that they conceded that goal. And, you know, I know that in reality it is a point gained, but it does, it would be nice now to, I think if they'd beaten Peterborough, you could almost, you can't write off any game, but you and I could sit here and say, well, it's not a disaster if they lose that game. I feel like there's maybe a bit more pressure on them now to get at least a point down. Yeah, but I, there's a lot of words of caution around that. Cardiff mm. are nowhere near as bad as their position. I think they are, you know, I, like their squad is okay. Their first lemon is okay. Their manager was rotten. Their manager's gone. Saturday, they, they got an insane result at Stoke. They score goals. They're big. They're physical. It's, it, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. That It's going to feel like the Millwall game. game again, except they're away from home. Yeah. The thing I would say on Saturday is Town are going to have to take any presentable opportunity they get because yeah. I, I would, I, I'd be willing to lay decent money that Cardiff will score. So if Town are going to win, they've got to score two. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but it's, you look at their position in the table and you it feels like one town should win, but there's a lot more to it than that. It's another classic Huddersfield Town thing where if they'd just held on to their manager for longer... Yeah, like the Forest game. Yeah, <laughs> You'd go, do you know what? Town will win that game, no yeah. problem. And now you look at it and it feels a different prospect. So we'll see. Yeah, hopefully Jonathan Hogg and Dwayne Holmes are able to, to get into that game as well. We'll get more from Carlos Corbin on that in the press yeah, conference. Yeah, he but... said that... Um, I've written it out today. He said that Holmes he didn't think was important which is Carlos's way of saying it's he not should be all right. Yeah, yeah. But Hoggy said it's because it's in the muscle, he's got to be assessed properly. So that I I would I would honestly say if there was any doubt about that, bear in mind we're going into the international break. Just give him give him the Saturday off and let him have like two and a half weeks to get because he he Hoggy's been brilliant last few games. Yeah, he's a... been back near his where he where he wanted to be. <laughs> I thought he had a bit of a dip um, recently. I can't remember exactly which games, but I thought he had a, a couple of games where he was not. At his best, but I thought his first half at Peterborough and the Millwall, and the game. Millwall game, obviously where yeah. he got the winner, uh, he was really good in both of those games. Um, yeah. So that's that's a positive, and I think they they let's be honest, they missed him in that like fifteen minutes. They did, they did, but I like I'm I'm I was going to say higher on it, but that's not that's going <laughs> to sound weird. I'm more positive about Scott High than a lot of people, and I Scott High could come in and do that job against Cardiff. I think having a having a slightly better range of forward passing in a game where you might want to look counter a bit more is no bad really. it's also the possibility of moving Holmes into midfield but I think I think Carlos likes him in that winger or yeah. role doesn't he yeah and I think I know we're talking about switching sides but I think keep him in that front three yeah, yeah. He, he's, Holmes he's the one is a, making things happen isn't yeah. he yeah and Holmes is the one who's not doing the flash stuff he's putting in like serious hard yards yeah. at the moment he's constantly moving yeah always yeah. on the move like it's I, I think he's one of those players who like if you're watching on TV you're only getting half the picture with him because yeah. he's constantly making runs constantly calling for it um, and I think I think we'll O'Brien has been really good the last few games in the first two thirds yeah. and then it's then sort of transfers to Holmes in the final third uh, and he's been sort he's been sort of him and Ward have been the man there yeah. really um, or the men I suppose it, but it does 
I think that also reinforced, like so much of what Town's good start this season has been about, has been about hard work, players really running their socks off. And I think that's why we're at the point where you look at them, look a little bit gasp and do with. What you don't want to happen is to get to December and lose three of them hamstring injuries. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And that, I've even, again, I'm going to say it again, I've even put it in the conclusion. You can't have half squad in the red zone in January Mm. because all that's going to happen is some of them are going to blow up. So a little bit of game management perhaps required. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Holmes's birthday on Saturday as well, so that would be would be nice if he could uh, mark that occasion. But there you go. Um, um, right, Dave. Do we have anything else to add? Uh, not a thing. Sorry, so much of that was about actual football. I, I don't think we need to apologise for that. I think it's what people are here for. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. If you've not donated and if you listen to the podcast for the first time to get that detail, then. Uh, Dave has alluded to it already, but uh, if we reach £25,000 on a fundraiser uh, that, that HCSA and, and Cowshed Loyal, that fans for food banks have, have organised, then uh, then I will get Town's next goal scorer after the target is reached tattooed on my back. We've also agreed with Lee Nichols actually, that if he were to save a penalty before the next goal scorer, then it would be him. So I think that's fair. That's, uh, that's quite an incentive for him to concede a penalty. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I didn't think of that. We're on around £14,000 at the moment which is a good effort like i think that was the target i set last week and it's it's great that we got there i think we i don't know if we quite passed it i think last time i looked it was like five pounds short but um no it's uh it's it's great work we're more than 10 percent of the way there we've still got a long way to go it is an ambitious target but the more we can raise the better so if you're able to donate head to huddersfieldtattoo.com uh, i'm also aware that uh that some uh corporate web blockers will block that url so if you search uh for gofundme fans for food banks huddersfield town it should come up on there uh yeah we will see you well we'll we'll obviously have plenty more on the website in the coming days i'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about uh i'm actually on holiday next week uh although i might parlay that into going to watch silver thomas play for wales if i if i can uh if i can get accredited for that you know never stopping um but I believe Dave will be filling in and yeah, yeah. hopefully Dave it's a more straightforward week than, than we've had today um, uh, but well it, it's international break so story ideas are not bad thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah we said last week that we didn't we were running out of things to talk about wishful you know <laughs> eat our words yeah examinalive.co.uk for all your updates and we'll see you soon goodbye <laughs>